In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Digital Doers podcast, part of the Oil & Gas Global Network's community of podcasts. And the Oil & Gas Global Network is the largest network of oil and gas podcasts in the world. So I'm happy to have you here today and, and excited uh, about having my guest today. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about something that probably every one of us as individuals experienced over the last couple of years and maybe really just got familiar with. Um, and it's also impacting companies, and, and we're seeing some of that. But I'm talking a little bit about some supply chain issues. I was talking with a friend the other day about the fact that never in my life until the last couple of years do I remember going to the grocery store and actually seeing empty spaces on the shelves. Um, it's just, uh, it was almost kind of uh, unheard of. And I think most of us experienced it, whether it was, you know, early on, it was around toilet paper. And even more recently, we, many of us have experienced that with while looking for cars. Um, and most recently, it was, uh, you know, baby formula. And so we've all experienced this. And so my guest today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the supply chain challenges uh, that we've all experienced, but more particularly around what's going on with the oil and gas industry and how O9 Solutions, the company that Usman Khan works for, um, how they're helping the oil and gas industry kind of maneuver through some of those difficult times and then actually leverage that so that it becomes uh, actually some you know opportunities for improving um, a lot of their decision-making. So, uh, looking forward to that. But before we jump in and talk to Usman, I do want to take this time and and say how grateful we are to have HPE as the sponsor of our Digital Doers podcast. And if you're not familiar or haven't haven't uh, updated your familiarity maybe with HPE, um, go to hpe.com and take a look at what they're doing. And in particular, you know, this is a company that has over 12 years of consumption-based experience in the cloud. And so their new GreenLake platform is all about bringing these cloud services to you. So whether um, wherever you might need them, at your edges, at your co-locations, wherever your data and apps reside. And they have the widest portfolio of on-premise cloud services. So if you get a chance, go to hpe.com and take a look and see what they're doing with their new GreenLake platform. And with that, I want to uh, kind of move on and, and, and get started on our time with Usman Khan. And he is the Senior Director for Industry Solutions for O9 Solutions. And Usman has over 15 years of upstream pipeline, LNG operations, and supply trading experience. And he's worked for and with, uh, on the consulting side of the business, companies like ExxonMobil, Shell, Baker Hughes, Saudi Aramco, all of the big names that you would recognize. And 
What he really does is he helps companies pursue digital maturity to drive efficiencies in business planning and their day-to-day operations. Um, He's also very involved with uh, some of the industry organizations like the Southern Gas Association, where he served as the chairman of the Technology Committee, and he's also very involved with SPE. So with that, I'm going to uh, get right into this and turn it over to Usman and say welcome. Thank you so much, Joanne. I, uh, first off, you know, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of your show, and I think uh, the topic of supply chain couldn't be more relevant you know, given, you know, all the disruptions that we're seeing in the marketplace and, uh, you know, trying to navigate out of this post-pandemic. Um, reality. Reality, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I think, you know, uh, we have all experienced this and, you know, kind of a situation where it seemed a little surreal many times for me yeah. to think about, uh, uh, you know, we as um, Americans – um, are a little spoiled, you know, we don't only want to have uh, peanut butter <laughs> on the shelf. We want to have our favorite brand of peanut butter. Right. Um, and uh, so it was a, a bit of a challenge. And so, um, you know, as we've talked about um, 09, and I spent a little time on your website, you talk about, you guys refer to this as your digital brain. Tell us a little bit about that. Great. Yes, uh, Joanne. So digital brain, again, uh, I'm sure that it catches uh, a lot of interest, you know, uh, in the market and people that are on our website or heard about digital brain. Right. So it basically uses this concept of a human brain uh, where it's absorbing and ingesting data from, you know, all sorts of different uh, market and internal data sources. And it uses machine learning and AI to convert that data into knowledge and, uh, you know, help drive better collaborative planning and decision making. So the value of data uh, comes when data is connected with other data. And um, at 09, the underlying technology that connects this market demand and supply data together is enterprise knowledge graph, also referred to as the digital brain. And it's a proprietary 09 solutions technology um, that uses this concept of, you know, bringing data together uh, with nodes, relationships, and knowledge models, um, and creates a very powerful digital twin, Joanne. Again, digital twin is a concept, you know, that's been uh, leveraged in the industry for quite, quite a while now. But I think the differentiator for 09 is that it creates a very, very powerful digital twin using this concept of EKG, the enterprise knowledge graph. Um, And it models, you know, the customer's ship to location all the way down to the bomb components uh, at the supplier side. And it's continuously, you know, collecting data uh, from within and outside the enterprise. It's learning and fine tuning. As I mentioned, you know, it's, it's using machine learning. Um, to recognize patterns, uh, to update those models on the fly on every node of that supply chain that it models, right? So each node within the EKG, the Enterprise Knowledge Graph, represents uh, a a particular entity of your supply chain organization. And it's continuously updating, um, you know, at that node level, which is very, very powerful. Right. 
And that's one of the things I, I think is, as you and I've talked about this, and I've, I've looked a little bit, like I said, on your website, is, um, you know, that's one of the challenges of the supply chain. And perhaps it's more impactful throughout the organization than some of us think. I mean, I spent most of my career in the oil and gas industry uh, in, in, on the operations side. A little bit in engineering, but, you know, heavily on operations. Yeah. And we perhaps, or I'll say me, I perhaps naively um, believed that my world and what impacted the performance that me and my organizations could deliver were kind of within the company, right? And so we did a lot back a long time ago at using an ERP, right? And trying to integrate all of the data that came from across the enterprise because that did have, a, we, we could see that effect but what 09 does is tries to create in, inject some reality that says, um, honestly, it's not just about what's going on, not just about the data from within the company. Like you said, you 09, if I understand correctly, you're getting some market intelligence, if you will, some data around what's going on in all of the locations, the nodes where your suppliers are accessing raw materials. Um, and, yeah. and then you're incorporating, including that, into what's going on within the company. That is correct, Joanne. That is 100%. So we actually have the capability. The 09 platform is um, extensible and it's flexible to where, you know, this market intelligence data that you just mentioned, we actually bring that in. And, um, you know, we collect data from 1,800 sources, at, you know, to date, today. Um, and we have the ability to bring in other third-party, um, you know, specialized commodity data, you know, data around risk. You know, when we get into ESG, um, you know, they're, they're third-party data providers that are actually, you know, um, supplying that sort of data that can be modeled within that EKG. So okay. that's exactly right. Yep. And that's huge. That's really powerful. Uh, I, it seems like to me, and um, like I said, uh, we may not on the operations side of the business, or at least a long time ago, we may not have appreciated exactly the impact. And that's probably something at least that COVID has done for us is help us, you know, make that more transparent. We actually saw some of the impacts of that. So we have a better understanding of all of the intricacies, all of the integration, integration, all of the interdependencies that often go into uh, an oil and gas company being able to actually deliver their products. So what are some of the big challenges, Usman, that Joanne, you're seeing? question, yes. And, um, you know, we touched on that a little bit, right? So um, during the pandemic, we saw a major disruption uh, in the oil and gas marketplace, right? Um, started off with uh, the price volatility where we saw a cliff, um, you know, in oil demand back in 2020, right? And then there was an unexpected increase in supply at the same time as well. And, you know, the combination of that, um, you know, led to a collapse of oil prices, right? Which impacted all the downstream 
um, products as well. Like, you know, your refineries got impacted, um, you know, loops, chemicals, all those downstream value chains got impacted because of that. In fact, it was so bad that, um, you know, crude was trading at a negative uh, right. in, I believe, April of uh, 2020. Yeah. So, you know, it had a major impact. Um, now, price shock coupled with uh, su- supply chain disruptions led to some instances of force majeure with some of the suppliers. And, uh, you know, we saw these suppliers, um, you know, close shops, right, which has led to the existing supply constraints as well. Because what happened was when we did the, when we had that price collapse, right, the demand dropped. Now it ramped up. Nobody was expecting that it's going to ramp up within a year. So it started ramping up. Now suppliers and companies that were, you know, closing down facilities that were downsizing from a labor perspective, now they had to ramp up production and they couldn't do that fast enough, right? Um, so that was a major, major issue that the uh, industry is, you know, still experiencing uh, because, Imagine, you know, one of the biggest concerns is, um, you know, continuity of operations. And uh, as an oil and gas executive, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, I can maximize my asset uptime. I'm producing, um, uh, you know, I'm maximizing my production. I'm minimizing or eliminating stockouts of my critical spares, which are needed for my operations. And I'm forecasting lead times appropriately. Now, I was reading an article where the CEO of Baker Hughes Lorenzo was talking about, you know, for their specialized equipment that they get from suppliers, they're getting, you know, uh, over a year lead time uh, from wow. 80% of their uh, suppliers, which is, which is huge. Which is huge. Um, so they're actually putting orders now for 2023. And then how do you, you know, forecast demand uh, so far out, right? So it's, it's a problem that we're seeing. And then from a continuity of operations, if you if you take an asset, an offshore and onshore, you know, production asset, you know, oil rig costs around two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a day. For, so for if it's drilling? not producing, imagine it adds up pretty fast, yeah. Joanne. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. You know, when there's the old saying, and <laughs> I I think there are many uh, situations, many operational situations in the oil and gas industry when it becomes very, very obvious, which is time is money. Right. And, uh, and that, like you say, using that example as a perfect example, uh, the, the contract that you have with the, the drilling contractor, that's got your drilling vessel, whatever it looks like offshore, um, you know, may not care if you can't get, uh, you know, whatever little piece that you need, uh, they have a contract that, uh, that says they're going to get the $250,000 a day or whatever. Right. And, uh, that kind of sitting around and waiting can uh, uh, impact uh, your economics on that well pretty quickly. And that's where the power of 09 comes in, right? Because it can help you um, forecast the materials that are needed for your assets, the equipment that's needed. Um, it's able to, you know, give you optimal, you know, supply plans um, and, you know, gives you a integrated business plan as well. It dollarizes all of that, right? It looks at demand, it looks at supply and it says, okay, this is, what your current, uh, you know, business outlook is, and this is what you can do in order to improve that. Right. And so what it's trying to do, I think, let's say you gave the example of Baker Hughes. Right. And having a, what did you say, a, a year lead time? I can't remember. Yes. Whatever the number was. Time, it, was yeah. it was a long time. Yeah, yeah, long time, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, it gives them some idea on what kind of realistic contracts they can actually enter into with their customers, right? That's exactly Because right. if they know it's going to take a year. Um, but what what you guys do, I think, at 092, and, you know, is like I said, it was difficult sometimes, uh, you know, we uh, operations folks may have naively uh, kind of just considered what was going on inside our world. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's, it's uh, difficult to understand how dependent we are on these other companies. And like you said, this lead time issue and the lead times aren't just associated with this first tier. Like in operations, we typically, we were, you know, we thought it was, you know, one supplier, it was Baker Hughes, right? We didn't always think about the fact that Baker Hughes then had three or four suppliers or 10 suppliers underneath that. And then, you know, the, the suppliers underneath them. And so that's the other thing that I think 09 that we've talked about is uh, the ability to get a little visibility into more than just those first tier um, suppliers. No, definitely. Joanna, I think, uh, you know, most of the oil and gas companies that we've, uh, you know, talked with, they've all, you know, shared this uh, challenge of limited visibility beyond tier one suppliers. And predominantly, um, you know, the attitude in the oil and gas industry has been, um, oh, it's happening under tier one and not much we can do, right? If there's a supply disruption or a risk that lies beyond that tier one supplier. Uh, But now that's becoming, you know, more real in terms of impact to their business. And uh, there's a keen interest on finding out if they can get more visibility beyond tier one. If, you know, 09 can help them with sub-tier, you know, visibility. And, uh, you know, we're uh, positioned to do exactly that, right? So I talked about that EKG, the enterprise knowledge graph, where we bring in nodes, relationships, and knowledge models together. Um, And that's very powerful because it's extensible. You can bring in additional nodes. Like if you're trying to model a sub-tier, like tier 2, tier 3, tier 4, you, you can bring that as an additional node within the EKG and you can bring, you know, you can create knowledge models around those additional nodes, right? So you understand exactly where the risk lies. And we actually did a POC with the, with the super major recently where um, we looked at their lube oil blending plant and they have tier one suppliers, um, you know, supplying additives and base oil to lube oil blending plants. And additives are experiencing an issue as well, uh, because again, as I mentioned, the demand fell off and now, you know, the production has ramped up and labor shortages and supply constraints are causing, you know, havoc, right? So they wanted to get better visibility into, are they going to meet all their demand based on what the supplier lead times look like and, uh, you know, what their sub-tier um, suppliers can, can do? Um, so we modeled that within EKG. We brought in those, you know, six tiers of uh, supply uh, that actually went towards that tier one uh, commodity that goes into the lube oil blending plant. And we brought in market intelligence where we looked at the risk data based on natural disaster, financial stability, geopolitical um, location of a, a specific, uh, uh, you know, production uh, asset. And we brought all that in to be able to give them that holistic view of, of their risk beyond tier one. 
So now we were able to focus on, let's say there was a commodity at tier three that was at risk. Now that's an alert for the procurement function to go in and you know procure more of that commodity before it becomes um, you know short in the marketplace, right? right? So it's very very powerful that you can actually get that sort of an insight and you can proactively do something before it becomes a disruption to your uh, business as usual. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think you and I talked a little bit about the fact that there was a time when the only real parameter, let's say, yeah. um, that uh, someone had for evaluating uh, suppliers to them was price. And I'm being a little, uh, little facetious there because there was always a little more than price, but that was the very r- objective, right? Then there were some relationships that might have gone along with it. But in reality, that's about what you had. We made decisions a lot on our suppliers based on price and a relationship. And it sounds like to me with 09, you're you're beginning to have a, a, a great deal of other um, information about a supplier um, to help you make better decisions to help you uh, not only be the most efficient, so obviously that's a big price driver, but also to understand um, the risk that these other suppliers are assuming based on who their suppliers are. Um, and, and understanding what their supply chain is uh, seems like would be a, a, you know hugely valuable these days uh, since you know we have become such a global supply chain and so interdependent um, you know, in, in, in that, in those no, suppliers. Definitely, Joanne. Um, you know, now you're not at the mercy of tier one suppliers, right? You have some additional knowledge where you can have a more collaborative way of working with your tier one suppliers. You can, yep. you know, sit together as partners and look at that extended supply network and, you know, identify those uh, risk areas and proactively address them. So it's, yeah. it's a win-win situation for both your supplier yeah. And uh, you as an enterprise. Yeah. Really facilitates. I think I like the way you said that really facilitates co- kind of some collaboration. And uh, you don't you don't have to take the adversarial anymore of, you know, I, I need a couple of pennies more here. And the supplier saying, I'm not going to give you a couple of more pennies. You know, <laughs> and it, it can become very adversarial. Right. Instead, like you said, you can say, OK, let's sit down and look. And the, you know, the uh, the producer says, I, I, I got to have these products. And the supplier says, well, you know, and, uh, you know, we've, uh, great, we've got a lot of this product, but now the, uh, the, the producer has the ability to say, well, let's see if you do, right. Let's see if you do understand. And and Joanne, this, this problem has been in the industry for, you know, for a while now, as as you know, you've alluded to that, right. And companies have tried to do something about it. They've spent thousands of dollars. They've put resources on it. But the issue is that when you get to that sub-tier level, right, it could be in some remote location across the world where it's really tough to get that data. And even if you're able to get the data, then how do you keep it relevant? How do you keep it, you know, real time? Because it's, right. it's going to go obsolete very, very fast, right, very if you're not getting yep. a direct feed. So yep. that is the issue. And I think EKG and 09 uh, technology is uh, well positioned to do that. Again, you know, bring in real uh, time data feeds into into the um, 
you know, end-to-end supply chain model, and it's continuously updating at each node. So you're looking at demand, you're looking at inventory, you're looking at any constraints you might have at that particular node, and it highlights that, right? So I think that that's a powerful uh, uh, story. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great capability. Um, so, so we've talked a little bit of kind of about this, how O9 is helping companies with this business continuity around getting the, the supplies that they need when they need it. Um, but this visibility, I got to believe in this kind of real time visibility that you kind of keep talking about, right? Yeah. And this extensive, you can have nodes all over the world. Um, so what other kinds of use cases have you seen uh, the industry use O9 for or with? No, excellent question, Joanne. So we talked about the whole, you know, supply uh, planning uh, piece of that. The other thing that we see uh, that companies are struggling with is demand forecasting, right? So within oil and gas, inherently, uh, you see a lack of, uh, you know, platform integration, right? So what I mean by that is like, you've got a lot of, you know, spreadsheet use, you've got, you know, manual emails uh, going around to your suppliers and, you know, or to your customers as well. And you're trying to collect data and it's taking, um, you know, it's a, it's a very time consuming process. Uh, Very wasteful processes. Exactly. Sometimes. sometimes, From a planner's perspective, because they're having to collate the data and then they're having to create models, which are not very agile. So if you want to change a model on the fly, you're not able to do that. Or if you want to look at your demand plan at a granular level, um, you know, it's not easily done. Uh, So demand forecasting is definitely a use case that we're seeing in the market, especially with, uh, you know, what's going on with with the supply uh, globally being able to bring in those market drivers and do an accurate demand forecast. I think that's important because that drives everything upstream of that, right? So demand planning is, is one. Then there's also a lot of interest in knowing what your, um, you know, financial plan looks like, right? So you bring in demand, you bring in supply, you look at all your constraints and then what does that uh, give me from a, from a dollar perspective, right? What are my, flex costs versus standard costs where can i actually you know decrease my uh footprint a little bit uh, to help with cost optimization or how do i increase my service levels so out of the box um 09 provides these um really robust like what if scenario capabilities where you can look at different scenarios and um you know run those to give you um uh, an optimal um, result, right? So what I mean by that is if you can do trade-offs, service levels versus cost versus, um, you know, anything else that, that you're looking at for supply chain optimization. So that's uh, one other area that's, that's of interest uh, to the oil and gas players. And then the control tower capability, right? So you're going to hear uh, control tower being implemented, uh, you know, across the board um, in the industry, and we happen to provide that capability as well. And, um, you know, given that we've got like the demand, supply, all of this data within the platform, our control tower capability actually senses, you know, any disruption to supply, any disruption to uh, demand, or even if there's an uptick on demand, 
it uh, you know it has machine learning capabilities to be able to you know give alerts to planners to say hey you know there's going to be a demand surge so you got to be able to you know um, optimize your uh, production capacity appropriately or there's going to be a supply disruption and it throws an alert it, because i mentioned that it's getting you know market intelligence data right so it's reading all of that and it's sensing um, if there's any disruption to supply and it's alerting the planners uh, proactively so that's um, that's another area that's um, uh, that we're seeing a lot of interest in and then uh, you know as we talk about esg right which is uh, the, the the biggest topic right now within the oil and gas industry how do you you know get around to your scope 1 scope 2 scope 3 uh, emissions and um, you know it on 9 what we believe is the right way to you know address that is the whole crawl walk run methodology where you bring in first you model your esg footprint end to end because you've got your you know value chain within the platform and now you bring in some additional data elements around esg around emissions sustainability and governance and then you layer on top of that um all the analytics to be able to help you with um uh, you know uh choosing the right uh swim lane for your um you know carbon footprint right so if you're looking for lowest carbon footprint to produce a product you can quickly model that within the platform and you can look at the cost trade-offs with that as well maybe there's higher cost if you choose to go with the least carbon footprint for for your supply chain so i think that's that's a very very important use case esg is um and then we talked about the subtier risk management i think this is a, this is an important area for the oil and gas companies where they can model uh you know their extended supply chain for visibility yeah. and assessing risks yeah yeah visibility is is a powerful thing isn't it 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 right. really is it really is and i think companies are struggling to even get there right they've spent billions and billions of dollars in these erp systems but um number one complaint to and that we hear from our customers is that they don't have visibility of their end to end supply chain and i think that alone is a business case for uh this integrated o9 platform right well i think it's you know like you guys say um on your website you know it's this this visibility that you guys have created within o9 uh it it has the ability to provide insights um that help you make decisions whether it's optimi- optimizing your su- supply chain based right. on whatever parameter that might be right whether it's risk the you know the lowest risk around these lower tiered suppliers or whether it's around the lowest carbon footprint or whether it's around price or whatever it might be right um you know you've got that ability but then you guys also talk about in then like you were saying about the sustainability right you've got this visibility which is huge these days right it's not just in the oil and gas industry but you know we uh you know uh uh clothing manufacturers right yep. they we see news items from time to time you know about child labor yes. right and you know so having some visibility into you know actually how these so it, it has a real implication on decision making it seems like 
at many places in the enterprise. Definitely, definitely. I think there's an investment component to this where, you know, um, investment funds um, looking to invest in your company are, are wanting that visibility, that level of visibility, right? Like what does your ESG footprint look like? Like what's your exposure, um, you know, to malpractices, um, you know, like you said, child labor and uh, other parameters as well. Right. right? Whatever. And, and like what does your carbon emission footprint look like? And then there's so many use cases when you, uh, you know, peel the layer on each of these areas because like carbon emissions, for example, you know, um, is heavy on the logistics side. So how do you optimize your voyages from, you know, your supply base to your offshore or onshore locations to be able to minimize your carbon emissions, right? That could be one use case that uh, you might be interested in. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, how do you optimize your supply vessels so that, uh, you know, you're not having to make a lot of trips or your air fleet, um, um, you know, utilization as well, right? Where you're yeah. using helicopter service to transfer resources and engineers to your assets. Like, how do you make sure that, uh, you know, those um, helicopter rides are being fully utilized and you're not sending, you know, empty seats? Right. Um, so there's so many intricate use cases as you start to peel the layers on this, Joanne, that uh, I'd be happy to get into, you know, more yeah. of that in subsequent yeah. conversations. But the visibility, it seems like to me, you know, that the key things that I think about when uh, you've, you've, you know, uh, described all of these capabilities from something called an EKG. I love that enterprise knowledge, knowledge graph. graph, right? Yeah. That EKG, um, which is like you say that you guys kind of uh, familiarly or fondly refer to as the brain, yes. <laughs> the digital brain. It, you know, it is tremendously heavy on the visibility, uh, very powerful visibility, the, the ability to capture this real-time kind of uh, data, yeah. uh, um, and, and then to integrate all of that along with the enterprise data within the company, you know, it has the, the power to provide a great deal of insight, I think, into, you know, for decision-making. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, you hit on the on the main aspects of this platform, right? Visibility and then, you know, predictability with, uh, you know, bringing in uh, real-time market data. And then you've got this component of, uh, you know, user-friendly uh, navigation ah, great. Uh, as well, right? So we believe that uh, for any technology to be successful, adoption is a key metric. And we kept that in mind as we designed this platform. Uh, you know, the non-IT end user. So we provide capabilities like the Google type, you know, search functionality, right? Where you can go in and just type in, you know, um, top five uh, SKUs for the last quarter. And it's going to give you, it's going to quickly, you know, uh, go and look for that and bring up uh, that result. Um, and then you can quickly, you know, uh, run analysis uh, with that, capability as well, right? Um, so I think that's very important that you provide a tool that's easy to use for planners and, uh, you, you know, the upskilling doesn't require like heavy, um, you know, training and you right. can learn it on the job. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, Usman, thank you very much for coming and talking with us today about the digital brain and, uh, the enterprise knowledge graph and 
all of the great things and um, functionality that this provides to, you know, helping the oil and gas industry kind of navigate this very complex, interdependent, kind of risk-heavy environment, yeah. you know, that we, we work in today that, that all of us do. I, I appreciate that. So thank you very much. Joanna, I appreciate uh, the conversation and I look forward to, you know, um, our next uh, take on this. Great. And uh, with that, we're going to uh, say um, farewell for this uh, episode of the Digital Doers podcast. Once again, um, would like to uh, say thank you to our sponsor and encourage you to go take a look at hpe.com. Take a look in particular at their new Green Lake. Uh, platform and it's uh, their edge to cloud platform and it's all about bringing those you know uh, cloud uh, experiences uh, very functional and um, usable cloud experiences to you wherever it is you need them so with that um, so long from the digital doers podcast Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.